Hello and welcome to Business Arts and All That Jazz. Today, I am talking about what makes a concert, show or event profitable and successful because uh, we all know that it can be challenging to put on a show and actually walk away with it with some dollars in your pocket. Yeah, it costs a lot. It costs a lot to put on a, a showcase. It really does. Um, I have run this year alone 13 productions. So that's within six months. So I'm very experienced in this space. Yes, 13 stage shows <laughs> and showcase events. Um, so this is what I do. This is my jam. But at the end of the day, I absolutely have experienced pitfalls. There have been so many things that have worked and so many things that haven't. And I'm going to share that with you. I'm going to share that with you today because I think that the philosophy around breaking even on a concert or event needs to change in our industry. We all say, well, if it breaks even, then we're okay. I want to turn that around. I want to turn that into profit. And I've got some ideas around that, things that have worked for me, things that haven't. Let's dive in. Let's do this. Hey there, I'm Josephine Lancuba and you're listening to Business Arts and All That Jazz. I've been immersed in the creative business world and performing arts industry for over 20 years. I know from experience that being an artist, a creative or running a creative business can be a tough gig, but I'm here to tell you it's possible. I went from having zero dollars to my name and living below the poverty line to then living paycheck to paycheck, to finally living a life of comfort, happiness, passion, and even stability. In this podcast, I peel back the curtain and share with you the ups and downs of my journey. Plus, I tap into the minds of creative industry experts to discover their paths to success. I know you have a spark inside of you, that little voice that tells you to reach for the stars. I want to help you step into your limelight to have the courage to live a life you dream of, a life that you design. So get ready to be entertained and inspired as we talk business, arts, and all that jazz. Hi there, it's Josephine here, your performing arts business strategist and coach. I am talking today about concerts, recitals, shows, showcases, events. I'm talking about the final product of all of the work that you've done throughout your training and throughout, you know, your students putting together all of their routines or their production work, the outcome being the show. That's what we're talking about today. And I'm talking about you as a business owner, how you can make that work in your favor. I think for a long time, um, even myself, if the show broke even, then I'd be like, that's fine as long as we break even. But I actually think that that idea is not good enough anymore. And the reason I'm talking about this is because recently uh, I had a show booked at a venue and two days before the show, they they increased the price by 90%. Now, the argument was that they actually, it wasn't an increase that we'd been using their venue for a couple of years and um, the price they'd been giving us was the COVID price. But that wasn't communicated. So so then we just got this, this account that said, oh, 90% increase, literally 90%. And we're like, whoa, that's very different to what was discussed. Um, or what we've paid rather in previous productions and years. 
like, oh yeah, no, this is the actual price. You've been getting the COVID discount. Okay. Thank you for telling me that. (laughs) Two days before the show. Anyway, it was a bit of a nightmare. Um, I think more than anything, we totally understood that that was the price, but I think that the lack of communication or potentially just the opportunity to change the way we rolled it out, um, was taken away from us. So, you know, we might have reduced times, our times on site. We might have, um, upped our ticket prices. We might have done a whole bunch of stuff, but we didn't have those options because it was short notice. Um, and there was no contract around it. Again, we'd been using the venue for a couple of years and the venue hire agreement never came, um, until two days before the show. So that was problematic. Having said that, the people at the venue, did negotiate with us and reduce the price a bit. Um, but still, we ended up still paying a good, mm, that's 70, 70% more than what we were expecting. Now, having said all of this, the end result was we went from going, yes, we're actually going to turn a profit on this production because, you know, COVID, <laughs> that changed a lot with venue capacity limits, right? I mean, it was impossible. And how much can you charge for a concert or a showcase or in our case, a junior musical theatre show that's only an hour, an hour and 10 minutes, right? How much can you charge? I mean, you know, we can't be going in at capital theatre or city theatre prices for professional productions. We can't go in and say, oh, it's $100 for your, for your concert ticket. Like we couldn't do that. So we had to suck it up is what happened. And we did, we've sucked it up for a couple of years. And then finally we're in this position. We're like, yeah, it's all working. Yeah. We're so good. Woo. Sold out shows, capacities reached. We're doing so great. And then the price got increased and we're like, oh, we're breaking even again. (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. Um, I've had some time to reflect. Um, the goal here for me as someone who produces so many shows is to get bums on seats. Not only is an audience vibey for the actual performers on stage, it creates the vibe, right? It's, it's so much more fun to perform to a full room than it is to like three people. I remember um, back in my, back in the day when I was like gigging on stages every weekend with a cover band and doing other bits and bobs, um, as a performer, I mean, we did performances, you know, to hundreds of people, thousands of people. And then I remember this gig where we performed literally to one drunk guy in the pub, <laughs> literally one dude, one dude sitting there drunk off his head and, and just like, oh, good on ya. And, um, yeah, it's not as fun. It's not as fun <laughs> to perform to one person. I mean, look, during COVID, we even had like really intimate performances to like 20 people um, and all sorts of things. Like, we've done it all. But now that we're back to being able to fill a theatre or, you know, a performance space, I'm just like, you know, this needs to turn a profit now. We need to make money from this exercise. It can't just be about the experience of the students, the experience of the performers, um, you know, the experience of the audience. It has to be about the business owner. It has to be about us, right? So we're taking a stand (laughs) for the profitability of events. Okay. So with all of that in mind, 
Um, like I said, the key thing is bums on seats. Uh, there are a few ways that I think make like, you know, that you can get bums on seats and create an amazing experience. Number one, you, you know, everything's a numbers game. The more people in the cast, the more tickets are going to be sold. It's simple as that. So the more performers on stage. Now, that can be challenging when you're dealing with young people because, you know, to have 200 uh, performers backstage that are all aged, you know, three to, I don't know, 13 or whatever, that's hard. That's hard. Um, but it's all possible. Um, I think you do need to separate your events um, and make it a positive experience. So there's a fine line between experience and profitability. So you do not want to be having like, and I know some studio owners do this, they have the kids on site, like really little ones till really late. So I'm not into that personally. I don't think you should be having a four, five, six, seven-year-old or even eight-year-old there till 11 o'clock at night. Um, I think if you need to do that, then you've booked the wrong venue or you've, you're you've got to change your format. Um, I, I think that that's not a positive experience for a little person. I really do. And I, and I, and I know there might be a bit of um, people that disagree with me on that, but personally to have my seven-year-old daughter and my five-year-old son um, at an event till 11 o'clock at night as a parent, I wouldn't love that. You know, so we need to be mindful of the experiences that we're creating as well for our students. So what does that look like? You probably might say, but there was no other date available. If we don't pack them all in, if we pack them all in, it's a four-hour show and that means we can only do this. This means that you may need to look at two different shows across two different dates or across the same day or maybe three shows. Now, that will increase your cost. So you may need to bump up your ticket prices or you may need to look at other ways of making money. For example, we sell merchandise at our events. You know, we can sell anywhere up to, you know, $1,200, $1,500 of merchandise a night. Now, this helps. This helps. So, um, you know, what sort of merchandise do we have? We have programs that we sell both physical and digital copies. So we, we print off a minimal amount of programs, hard copies, um, and the goal is that we sell them out and then we have a digital version backup at a slightly lower price, um, which is via QR code people scan. So we sell out the hard copies and then if we sell out, we go to the, oh, we've only got digital copies left at a reduced price here, QR code scan away. Okay, so there's that. Um, some people are actually going straight to QR code and not doing hard copies. Personally, I feel that hard copies is a memorabilia piece and is a little bit more special, but there is a cost involved and you really do sort of need to know your numbers because you don't want to overprint. The second um, merchandise thing we sell is photo and video packages. So we do this all before the event. We send out links for people to purchase, but then we also have it on the night and we talk about it on the microphone before and after the show. We, we are literally on the mic saying, hi there, you know, welcome to blah, blah event. Um, 
Coach Annalise is in the foyer right now. She has programs and is selling video and photo packages to the show. If you don't catch her before the show, she'll be back out in the foyer after the show ready for you for purchase. Like sell it, tell people about it because not everyone jumps on the link. Sometimes they're in the moment and they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to grab that. Like, oh my God, that was so cute. And they've got um, in the moment they're really excited and it's impulsive. They're, they're out there, they're waiting to be seated, they're in the foyer and we've got our coach out there with a little um, square device for tap and pay. She's got an app, Set the prices are set up on the app, people tap and pay and away they go. Um, the only thing is with things like DVD and photo packages, because you have to know address and other information, we have a little um, small paper form on a clipboard where people write down what they've ordered and we tick a box and stuff. So that gets filed away and we have those notes. So they've paid online on the day as an impulsive buy. By the way, we get a lot of impulsive buys and we've been marketing that pre-purchase link for ages, but on the night is when we get the most sales. So I'm telling you now, if you're not doing impulsive buy merchandise opportunities at your door, you're missing out on thousands of dollars potentially. Okay. Um, we also sell t-shirts. <clears throat> we have what we like, what we call show shirts because we do shows like titled shows like Moana Jr. or whatever. We do like themed ones with like, I'm in the customer one or with a big wave on it or whatever. Um, and the way we do that is through drop shipping. The reason we do drop shipping is because we don't want to order stock for specialty items and have them and not sell them. So with drop shipping sites, um, we will just do a markup. So, you know, we might make about $15 a shirt, $10, $15 a shirt. Um, and that's the best way. So people get a link and they can see the designs that have been, um, put on, like basically you just do the artwork and you put it on their standard t-shirt um, image on the site. People go to your link, they can see your products. Could be your logo, could be some special saying, like a dance saying associated to your brand or whatever. And then, yeah. And then people just literally purchase that way. We've also done that by a QR code at our events. So what we do is we have a QR code that leads them to the drop shipping purchase site. Um, and people purchase that way. We're like, Oh, you want a shirt? Awesome here's a QR code, buy our t-shirts. And we have um, printed posters with an image of the shirt um, and people buy impulsively at the door for that as well. That was marketed prior, but it's an impulsive buy and we don't hold stock. We use a drop shipping site. We put our image, our design onto their pre-set images of their shirts so people can see it. And then they don't just do shirts. They do other stuff too, jumpers, whatever you want. You decide what you're going to put together and, and sell and then um, that's it. And then they click, they buy, and the dropshipping company prints, packs, and sends. Magic. Yep, and we don't have to order any stock. How beautiful is that? How great is that? So that's another merchandise option that we do at shows, and that really increases our sales as well. Um, so that's the merchandise option. Um, in relation to filling up your seats, we all know that youth sells. We've already discussed that. I mean, look, here's the thing. With our senior shows, 13 years plus, per person rate of how many people they bring does not compare to our juniors or our minis. It just doesn't. The minis bring in the people, the juniors bring in the people, and the seniors start to get, mm, what's the word? They're teenagers, right, or even adults, 
they just start to get a bit more, oh, I don't know, I don't really want my friends to come and see me. No, 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 don't invite auntie and uncle. No, 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 I'm too embarrassed, right? So that can minimise your sales. They don't promote it as hard necessarily as the juniors and adults are even worse because adults have adult friends who aren't always overly supportive. Now, unless you're selling something that is really marketable to the public space, um, then you're really just relying on your community to buy, right? The friends, the families, um, the parents, the, you know, next door neighbor, right? Youth sells, it just does. And um, since we've included our minis into our junior shows, we've started selling out those theaters. So we used to do a separate minis showcase and then have our juniors separate to our minis and our seniors. So we've got three core programs, our minis, which is four to six, our juniors, which is seven to 12, and our seniors, which is 13 years plus, essentially 13 to 19. Now, those three age groups had very different results. Minis will sell out, juniors would sell well, and then seniors would be our lowest lowest sellers. So we've decided recently to infuse our minis into our junior productions. So we have different groups perform at different shows and now we're seeing and, and combining them. So we do a couple of junior shows, but also we split our minis across them because we have different class groups. And so some minis will perform in show one and some minis will perform in show two. And those shows are now selling out, which is great. That's what we want to see. Also means less shows because we don't have to do a separate minis show, which is a saving in cost as well. Um, in relation to seniors, we realized that um, it wasn't, we weren't selling out the senior shows. So we recently implemented um, what we call our dance camp. So dance camp is offered to our juniors and general public and they get to perform in a couple of numbers of the senior show. So this is an additional show. It's a buy-in experience. They come to two or three workshops and then they come to the technical rehearsal and the senior show to perform. So they're not main characters. They're not the leads of the show. They don't have solos. They don't do any of that stuff. This is just junior kids as backup dancers in particular numbers of the show. Um, so you can format that however you want. But what that's done is it means that we'll get anywhere to around 15 kids opting into our dance camp, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it doesn't need to be a lot, okay? Because the, the, the sole purpose of it is, first of all, it's super awesome for the juniors to be a part of the senior show and start, like we have an age cap, a, age cap by the way, we say 10 years plus only for the, the junior dance camp opportunity to perform with seniors. So that works. So let's say 15 kids opt in, right? So 15 kids, they all pay a workshop fee, but in addition to that, they all buy four tickets to the show. Let's say your tickets are, I don't know, we, we, let's say, well, we charge about $49. So $49 times um, four, per, four tickets per person. There you go. Extra three grand in your pocket. Done. And you've got a more packed out theatre. Yeah. So the dance camp infusion for the juniors to perform in our senior production, they love it. We've got kids that are so excited to be amongst the seniors and have that experience and actually perform on stage with them in a number or two. 
They love it. Um, and yeah, bumps up our tickets, sales by about $3,000. It also means we've got an extra, you know, I don't know, 60, 70 people in the audience. Good times, right? Good times. Um, so just providing opportunities to perform that may be outside of your box or normal. It doesn't have to be just rigid around, you know, these people performing that and these people performing that. Hey, why don't we infuse some groups into that one? And that means that they get to do two shows and two different shows. People love, like some kids want to do it. Some performers want to do it. Some parents, some students, depending who you serve, want to do more. We let them do more. We let them do more. So, you know, that's how we do it. Um, so let's see, what have we talked about so far? Okay, bums on seats. Yes, we've talked about how youth bring in the numbers, how you can fuse different groups to make it work. Whatever mixture you need doesn't have to be traditional mixture of ages. It can, you can infuse different ages across the productions and the concerts so that you're actually getting the balance you need to sell out your shows. Um, Again, we run these dance camp opportunities for our juniors to perform with our seniors in their show, and that's been a really good one. Merchandise has been a big thing, and not just a pre-sale merchandise option, but actually getting them at the event with a tap and pay option. Here you are. There you go. Buy now. Buy now. Buy now. Okay? The other thing that works really well for us is merchandise through drop shipping, so that we're not holding stock. That's been a game changer because I've, the amount of times I've ordered stuff that you think is going to sell and then it just sits there and you've got an extra 50 T-shirts or an extra, you know, 100 programs, right? Just not doing it anymore. It's such a dunk of cash, not doing it anymore. So, again, with the programs, you know, we just order a minimal amount and then if we sell out, we go to QR code digital download. Done. You know, and if someone's like, oh, but I really wanted a hard copy, that's okay. That didn't happen for you today. We have a digital option. (laughs) You know, can't win them all. Can't win them all. Um, The other thing we've talked about is the experience. So not just the experience for the audience, but the experience for the student, for the performer and young people. Having them really late isn't necessarily great. Also, that reduces your opportunity for after-show sales because those parents are going to be rushing out the door if you're finishing at 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. Whereas when they're more relaxed, they spend more. So if it's only 8.30, they're more likely to hang out in the foyer after the show, chat with their friends, buy a program, buy the photos and the video, buy the T-shirt because they're loving it. They're comfortable. Their kid's happy and chatting with their friends. It's all happening, okay? So... So, you know, when you do that, that, that's when it really works. Actually, I spoke to a studio owner recently who had this amazing thing that she does and she does like an interactive experience where she gets, oh, I'm actually talking about Tanya Khan. Hope you don't mind I've mentioned you, but you did post this publicly on Facebook. <laughs> so I'm going to mention you. Tanya Khan, um, lovely, gorgeous woman. I've actually interviewed her on this podcast. So if you flick back a few episodes, um, you'll 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 see an episode called boys dance with tanya khan check it out she's amazing and she's very focused on developing young boys in in the arts and dance um 
But yeah, she she talks about an interactive show experience where she actually teaches the audience some moves and gets them up on the dance floor. I love this. And actually gets her crowd dancing with her at the show. I love that. And then they have like a bit of a dance-off on the dance floor, the audience and stuff. How cool. You know, like what an experience. I spoke to another studio owner recently who specializes in outdoor events and they just put on the production of Charlotte's Web, the play, in a barnyard. How cool is that? And then after the show, the kids actually got to pat the lambs and the sheep and I'm like, oh, my goodness, that is so crazy good. That is so crazy good. I think we can move away from traditional performances, um, you know, the theatre and whatnot. I mean, we do do that still. I do that still. Um, But I love the interactive approach and I'm going to investigate it because I think that that could be an amazing experience. Um, Speaking of experience, let's talk about awards presentations on stage. Snore, snore, boring. (laughs) I do very little on stage when it comes to awards. So we have like our key trophy winners. We call them like we've got a showstopper award, community spirit, things like that. But we do not do it. We do those three trophies on stage and that's it. And then after the show, we do um, just with the students backstage, we present their certificates. We don't do it on stage for everybody. Um, You could do it in class as well, like the week after concert um, or the week before, have an awards presentation in class, whatever you want to do. But we do it at the show, but we don't do it on stage. We don't get like, you know, hundreds of kids or 50 kids or however many you've got up on stage. We don't get them one by one going, congratulations, Johnny Smith. Here's your certificate. Clap, clap, clap. Congratulations, Ella. Ella Johns. Clap, clap, clap. It's just boring. It's boring for everyone involved. I just don't think, I, I don't know, I don't even think the kids really appreciate that moment that much. I think you give your major trophy award winners on stage and then the rest is done behind the scenes. That's my personal opinion. I know some people will completely disagree with me and that's cool. Um, That's just how I roll and that's what I think. I just think the performance experience should be that, an experience. And the experience is beyond children on stage or the students, you may serve adults, or the production elements. But it's beyond the performers. It's also about the audience and the whole thing. You can reduce your time on stage as well and costs if you don't do awards. Big speeches as well. I keep my speeches to a minimum. I do do a speech, but it's very short. Um, I try, I try not to, I don't, I'm not up there for 10 minutes, you know? Um, yeah. So keeping that to a minimum as well, really getting your key points across that you want to have and then getting into it. Um, Yeah, guys, that's kind of what I've got there. Now, in relation to marketing, let's talk about marketing just quickly. So I do a multitude of things when we've got a concert event or show coming up. Um, And the marketing really is from we have like a Facebook event. We share it with our complete database. Um, We also have done we will do Facebook posts marketing the event. We also have created um, tiles. So 
as in digital tiles. So let's say an artwork that is promoting the event that surrounds the child's face. So we take headshots of all the kids, all of our students across our clubs, and then we get our, and then we have like this flat image that goes around it so that they can use that on their social media to promote their show. So for example, we're like Moana Junior, there's a little wave or something. And then, you know, this is the theater and the date and time with the try booking link to purchase. And then their face is in the middle of this artwork design around their head. For you, it could be, you know, Joe Smith dance concert, Christmas spectacular, December 15, theater, link to book. I'm a dance, I'm performing in John Smith's dance concert, like whatever. It's not necessarily going to drive sales to the event. It may, but only a few. The main thing is, is that these kids, because you've created an artwork with their photo in it, which does take time to put together, but you just can Canva that up and then just slot the kid's image in. You download all the images into a file and you email it out to everyone and say, hey, download your image and, and um, you know, share this on social media to promote your event and show everyone, you know, what you're doing and blah, blah. That really promotes the studio. It promotes your business. So even if people don't buy tickets necessarily from that, they're going to see that that child is associated to your business and essentially it's free advertising for your brand and out of like let's say you've got 100 students, you know, maybe only 20 do it, 20%. But that's 20% going out on social media with these image tiles promoting your business and the show and that reach, those 20 could reach 20,000, you know, through social media, sharing, posting, organic reach, all that stuff. So don't underestimate the power of that. That is marketing. It's brand awareness. It's not just about bums on seats when it comes to that sort of stuff. Um, other things that we do is we've run free community um, competitions or we give out free tickets to some of the local public schools um, by advertising in their school newsletter and saying, hey, four free tickets available, enter the competition, text your name and number to this, and we'll be announcing it on this date. And then you might give away a few families um, tickets and that's promoting your show as well and getting people in the community coming to your event. Um, yeah, so that's kind of it. Marketing, you know, like I said, you've got Facebook events, email your database, um, make sure that, you know, free giveaways and giveaways in the community could be school newsletters or somewhere else, public notice boards, Facebook groups, whatever. Um, Facebook posts and marketing and image tiles, getting your actual students to share. Okay, that's it. That's all I got. Like I said, we've had some pitfalls. We've had things that worked and things that haven't, but we really finally have come to a formula where we're okay, you know, except for the little slip up recently with that 90% increase, but, you know, in the venue higher cost, but that's something that, you know, was unforeseen. But moving forward, better communication with the venue and not making assumptions on pricing season to season would have would have made that um, not like that wouldn't have been a thing. That wouldn't have happened if we'd had that proper communication, which we should have. Moving forward, we know to do that. But essentially, um, I am experienced in 
really getting um, profitable shows off the ground, you know, it's something that is possible and I want that for you. If you ever need assistance, by the way, in learning more about how to really um, thrive in your studio and your performing arts business, I offer coaching services. Please feel free to reach out. Um, You know, you can inbox me on socials, um, totally there for it. And actually, I might put a little um, link to the contact to the um, contact page on my website. If you go to josephinelancuba.com, I don't even know the forward slash, whatever, I'll pop it in the show notes. But anyway, you can contact me via my um, website as well and reach out. Um, But otherwise, inbox me on socials, find me on Insta, whatever, and let's start a conversation because, uh, yeah, I can absolutely help you create, you know, not just profitable events and shows, but um, a thriving performing arts business and studio. That's what we want for you. Anyway, I gotta go. Jeez, been talking for a little while now. <laughs> I gotta go. Actually, I've got my final um show run for Moana tonight. So I do have to run and do that. But thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful day. Good luck on your next show. Bye for now. If you enjoyed listening and would like to hear more, be sure to click subscribe. If you're really feeling the love, share us with your friends. To work with me or to simply find out more about the magic of creativity, arts and business, head to my website, josephinelancuba.com and you can find me on socials. I also have a book that I've co-written with a bunch of amazing entrepreneurial women called The Women Changing the World and you can grab a copy of that at josephinelancuba.com forward slash books. Thanks for listening.